Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Welcome to Student of the Word today. Today we're going to cover the unpardonable sin and compare it to the sin unto death. Who commits either one? We're going to talk about it from the Word of God, enlightening you today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bobby Andy, and so glad to have you with us today. I'm going to have a chance today to teach out of my newest book, or one of my newer books, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the Epistles of John, and I know it's going to be a great blessing to you. So today I'm going to talk about what the Bible has to say about the sin unto death, and this becomes a major problem. Christians don't understand it. What's the difference between that and the unpardonable sin? Well, we'll talk about it and explain it to you. So again, welcome. For those of you today watching for the first time, hello, glad to have you. For all those you've been watching for quite a while. Thank you. And especially for those who are part of my partners. And thank you again for being one of those partners that just really sticks with me through thick and thin. And whenever I'm expanding, doing things, you're faithful to give to that. Plus every month, you're just faithful to give and pray for me. I can use your prayers. Uh, God doesn't pray for me as far as my ministry is concerned, and he doesn't give money into my ministry. So well, of course God gives money and he prays for you. No, that he leaves up to people. And even when God blesses you financially, it comes through the hands of men. So for me just to pray for God to pour it out of heaven, he'd have to be a counterfeiter, and God is not. So he supplies through people and people just like you who hear the message, hear the word, have a, you know, that quickening in your heart, the connection in your heart, and you act on that and become a partner. And I'd love to have you as a partner, especially those who know you should be a partner, have been thinking about it, have been debating about it, and now it's time just to act on it and watch God bless you, especially when you give into ministries that you really have a compassion for, a connection with, and so go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. Let's talk today about when God strikes people dead. Only, you know, you say, well, does God do that? He actually works through Satan whenever he does it with Christians. And there are Christians who die because they get into sin, excessive sin, start to hurt the lives of others. And there are examples of it in the Word of God, and we'll get into it. So right now, if the hair is bristling up on the back of your neck, just hang on for a moment. We will get there and explain it. And men, man, Mankind has a real problem with the capital punishment issue. In many states in our own nation, many countries around the world have banned capital punishment. They see it as excessive, but they don't understand there has to be excessive penalties for excessive acts. And when a person murders somebody in cold blood, commits something like that, then there has to be a capital punishment. And in fact, the one that invented capital punishment was God himself. God himself practiced divine capital punishment. In most cases, the infractions seem trivial in our eyes, but it was major in God's eyes for just flat out total disobedience to what he had to say. But yet there were men and women in the Bible who committed grave, gross sins, crimes worthy of death, but they repented in time. These are believers and God forgave and spared them and then gave some even greater positions after they had committed a sin. And then also after committing a sin, God stayed the capital punishment issue and so, again, this is what happened in the Word of God. Let's talk about the unpardonable sin and then the sin unto death. The unpardonable sin is committed by a unbeliever. The sin unto death is committed by a believer. The sin unto death is committed by those who are born again, but they get caught up in sin, knowing they are in sin, trying to hide the sin, and the sins can be disobedienced, and it's compounded one on top of another until the influence on others demands the death of the unrepentant, 
habitual carnal believer and the person still goes on to heaven at death. And they go there and there the Lord will handle the issue of the penalty that they had with the sin unto death. But here on this earth, when Christians commit a sin and then keep on sinning, or there are one or two times in the Bible where the sin they committed was so bad that after they committed it, that they were taken out of this earth, God killed them while they were here. Again, through the work of Satan, they are turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, but it's done by a divine power, by God's power, or even Christians here found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 can be allowed to turn a person over, a believer over to the work of Satan to kill their person in the flesh, but their spirit will still be saved in the day of the Lord. We'll talk about that here as we go on. Let's just take some examples from the Word of God. Moses was a murderer a fugitive from justice. Yes, God spared him and allow him to lead Israel to go out of Egypt and to go into Canaan. His final public act of disobedience, though, led him to the death. And he did not take Israel into Canaan. Joshua took the people over. But because of Moses and what he did and chewing out the people, when God didn't say chew out the people, he did. He let them have it. And God demanded his life for that because he was a public example. And it seems like in the Word of God, whenever a believer is in more and more position of leadership and their acts affect so many people, such as David when he committed adultery and murder and yet and yet repented in time and went on to live longer after that, the demand becomes quicker and the demand becomes greater for the sin unto death. And so Abraham tried to give his wife away twice just to save himself, yet God forgave him and he became the father of our faith, those that believe in the Lord, and then the father of the Jewish nation, that's the people that came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by physical birth. David committed adultery and murder in the midst of many other sins, yet he repented just in time, was forgiven, went on to be the best king that Israel ever had, even called a man after God's own heart. And God told David when he repented, your sins are forgiven, you will not die. Notice this, he was about to die, he was close to death. This is all recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the story of this whole thing. So again, uh, when he did that, he was allowed to live longer. He did, had children after that, including Solomon, and went on to live a long life on this earth and died at a very old age. Peter denied the Lord Jesus, repented and became a great apostle, preaching the first sermon to the Jews at Pentecost. He also preached to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. He wrote two great books and helped to raise up New Testament churches. King Hezekiah was under the sin unto death. He turned his back to the wall, repented to God, added 15 years to his life because his sin was going to Egypt for help. And he did it without blatantly thinking about it. I mean, he just decided I'm going to Egypt for help when God had told him never go to Egypt for help. He did and his life was demanded of him. He was about to die. He turned turned his back to the wall and repented in front of God. And then God added 15 years to his life. The man committing incest is one of the major ones of the New Testament. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, was committing the sin of incest with his stepmother. I mean, it said it was just atrocious sin that should never even have to be brought up in the church. Yet it was. 
He was expelled from the church, turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Notice this. He was still born again. He did not lose his salvation. What he did lose was his physical life, but he repented in time. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, let him back into the church. He has truly repented. God has lifted the sentence of death on him and he was allowed to come back into the church. I think it's interesting too in that that story, that the people were very quick to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. But when he repented, they were not so quick to want him back into the church. And so God forgives. That's good news for you as God repents a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster than people do to you. So him coming back into the church was found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. When we look at those who were struck dead by God, I say struck dead by God, really, they were turned over to Satan again as believers for the destruction of the flesh, but God instituted it. When we look at those who are struck dead by God, they may have committed sins as vicious and terrible, but they did not repent, but they were also on a higher level of influence. I brought this up and it seemed like the higher level of influence you have, the more demanding God gets for you to walk in holiness before him and especially in front of people. In other words, your works do count here in life. You say, what do you mean by our works? I thought we weren't saved by works. You're not saved by works in front of God, but you are saved by works in front of people. This is all brought out later on in the New Testament uh, in the books of James. James brings it out in his about the importance of walking in front of people and showing them by your lifestyle that you truly are born again. And so again, like I said, when we look at those that are struck dead by God, they may have committed sins, very vicious, but they did not repent. But they were also again on this higher level of influence among people. New Testament scriptures dealing with the sin unto death. Other scriptures are 1 John chapter 5 verses 16 and 17. And that's why I'm offering my book on the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 30. So again, with these things in mind, we're getting close here and uh, to the coming of the break, but let's talk about what the Word of God has to say even more about that. First Timothy chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, we have here an admonition from Paul. It says, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. The shipwreck he's talking about here is not losing their salvation, but it's physical death on this earth, the sin unto death death. And then again, what it says here, that because they didn't have a good conscience, they didn't have faith toward God and a good conscience toward people, they truly were born again, but they reached a certain level. It says, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. This again is a sin unto death and physical death of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. They were out under the sin unto death. And notice that in most cases, God turns this over to people. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where this man was caught and talked about within incest, what happened there was God said, turn him over to Satan, to the people, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Again, we're dealing with a sin that Christians commit. Now, it's not one particular sin. The sin unto death is anything where you reach a certain point where you have sinned so long that God finally says, that's it. Apparently, you're not repentant. You're not going to be repentant. And he sentences unto the sin unto death. But of course, as we have said, many in the word of God snapped to it, turned around, 
and became a greater follower of the Lord after that, and God rescinded the sin unto death issue that was hanging over them. So when a person is out under the sin unto death, they still can repent, and they still can come back to the Lord and length be added to their life. God desires us to live long in the earth, but He also tells us there's things we can do to extend our life. There's things we can also do to cut our life short on this earth, and how to extend it is just live for God, live by His Word. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. He's simply saying when you make that decision in your soul, you're going to follow after God. You're going to take the scriptures and live by them. Let them become the standard for your Christian life. This is where you become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. First Timothy 1 verses 19 and 20 says, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. This shipwreck is the sin unto death, which is physical death, not spiritual death, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, he delivered them to Satan, hoping. And the Bible never says whether they did repent or not, but it says that they can quickly learn not to blaspheme. If they learned, they can repent. If they repent, they can stay here a while longer and complete the ministry God has for them. When we get back, we'll talk about some who did die, the sin unto death in the Old and the New Testament. See you right after the break. John's Gospel was written as a testimony of Jesus as the Christ and as a guide for unbelievers to come to Him as their Savior. But the epistles of John, his three letters written to the church, are for guidance and strengthening to believers and church leadership who are facing troubling issues with false prophets, Gnostic heresies, and the pride that can invade the church, causing confusion and distress. John's epistles comfort believers with encouragement to continue doing right, stay in faith, be confident in Christ, and to love other believers as part of one family. Pastor Bob Yandian makes the complicated simple with a verse-by-verse teaching and commentary of the three epistles of John. Topics include forgiveness of sin, what it means to know God, advancing in the Word, overcoming the world, spiritual maturity, and the sin unto death. To order the Epistles of John, visit bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. March the 7th through the 9th, Joseph Z will be joining me in a minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I know it's going to be a great blessing for you. If you're involved in any area of ministry, pastoral, teaching a class, or working in a church, but know you have a call to the ministry, I'd love to see you at the conference. You'll find out at the bottom of the screen, or else go to bobyandian.com and find information there. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, 
This teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. In talking about those in the Word of God who did die the sin unto death, again, these are believers, Old Testament and New. Now, when I talk about a Christian, that's New Testament. That's a terminology for New Testament. But as far as believing in the Lord and receiving salvation, that's Old and New Testament. The method has never changed. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. They called him Jehovah. We call him Jesus Christ. But again, by putting your faith and trust in him, Abraham believed in the Lord. It was accounted to him for righteousness. This is the method of salvation in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the sin unto death was there. And that was for believers as well as the New Testament. But people often ask, and you may be thinking now, well, then what is the unpardonable sin? The unpardonable sin is committed by an unbeliever. There is only one unpardonable sin. There's only one sin that God will not forgive and cannot forgive, and that is rejection of Jesus Christ. That is the unpardonable sin. If you do not receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that sin will not ever be removed from you unless you, before death, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The thing about the unpardonable sin is you can not say no to Jesus today, but next day, next year, you know, years down the road, even the thief on the cross can just before he dies, just before he breathes his last breath, can say, you know, remember me when you come into paradise. And so that was his uh, confession of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the thing is true too. Even on a deathbed, you can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And suddenly that unpardonable sin becomes pardoned because you allowed God to pardon it. But as far as the sin unto death, this is only for believers. And the sin unto death can be rescinded, even though you're out under it and God has put before you die, you can repent of that. It will be removed and your life can be extended on this earth. And again, we brought up examples of that in the Old Testament, and we'll bring up some other ones here. Let's talk about those who have committed the sin unto death, Old and New Testament. Again, believers in the Lord, Nadab and Abihu. And so God hates false worship. Nadab and Abihu were men of great reputation. They had no indication of carnality in their life. They were young men that anybody would be proud of, but they had the physical and spiritual soundness needed to be in the Levitical priesthood and nephews of Moses. And so yet in their day of ordination, they were struck dead by God in the tabernacle while performing their services. This was the outward display of something that had been in their heart for a long time. This is when it fully came out in front of people. And because they did it in front of people in the outer court was the brass laver where the priests washed their feet and the brass altar where the sacrifice was made. The building itself was divided into two parts separated by two veils. And the first was the holy place, which contained the table of showbread, the candlestick, the altar of incense in front of the inner veil. It's here where the two boys were killed by God just before the next veil, which contained the Holy of Holies, the place of God's presence. This is where the Ark of the Covenant, which would be sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice by Aaron and atone for the sins of the people. It was the most important spot representing the cross of Jesus Christ because this represented where Jesus would go shed his blood for us. And then God would be satisfied with the work of Jesus and anybody 
that believes in Jesus, the blood of Jesus would take them and remove their sins and they would become a child of God in the New Testament. They would become a believer in the Old Testament. But Nadab and Abihu took seven days of instruction to become priests to work in the tabernacle, just in this section. And on the eighth day, Aaron killed the lamb on the unlit altar and stood back as the supernatural fire came from heaven into the inner court, lit the wood on the altar, and this indicated the offering was being accepted by God, representing his son who would one day come and give his life for all mankind. And after the fire consumed the sacrifice, Nadab and Abihu began to lead the service of worship and praise, the highest service in the tabernacle, praise to God for what he would do on the cross. They went into the inner court and began to light the incense. The flame they took into the inner court was from some close source of fire, but not from the fire God started where the lamb's blood had dripped. God wanted to supernaturally start that fire. They wanted to use a fire that was already lit. And it simply comes down to this. We need God's fire every day, but we need something God started in us on that day. There's other things we can take from the past and bring the remembrance of him, but God wants to be our supernatural God every day. And why they did this, it's not told. But when they reached the altar of incense, they were struck dead by God. They were said to have offended unholy fire, strange fire, which was begun by a person, not by God supernaturally. God is the one who supernaturally started the fire in the Old Testament that remained in the Holy of Holies. And during the day, you could see it from the distance. But when God had the priest walk in there, he started another fire with them, something brand new. The next one we find in the Word of God is Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A. God hates disobedience. God had commanded that no one was to touch the ark except the poles through the rings that were on the side and carried on their shoulders. And Uzzah, it wasn't being carried on the shoulder at that time. It was being carried on a cart and the cart was unscriptural. God didn't want it carried on a cart and God's anger began to rise up. But when Uzzah reached up to steady the ark and reach up there with his hand as the cart jostled over the bumps in the road, he was suddenly struck dead. He did not follow God's prescribed method for transporting the ark. This is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, telling how the ark is to be transported. He was not of the priestly tribe. He was from Judah. He arranged for the ark to be moved in the manner of the Philistines. He watched how the Philistines had brought it in. He took it out the same way. And when he touched the ark, disobeyed God's clear command, he was struck dead. It simply comes back to the daily things of God. He wants us to do it his way, not our way. And there are certain times when we are ignorant that God will let us get by with ignorance. But I can tell you this, Uzzah was not ignorant. He knew exactly what he was doing. And yet he knew the right way to do it. He had seen the right way to do it, but he just did it the fastest way possible, the easiest way possible. And this is not what God wanted. God wants us in every area of our life, down to the smallest things, to be obedient to Him. And there's certain things we might do on our own that we can get by with for a while, but there comes a time when God will warn us, I want this thing done my way. I want this thing done by prayer and supplication, not by your own thoughts, not by your own methods, not by your own devices. God wants us to walk with Him daily, and the longer we walk with God, the more demanding He gets of us that we walk correctly in every step of life. But He he wants us to know the reason why he asks us at that time to do it is because he can trust us. But oftentimes our pride gets in the way and we stand up 
and uh, God can actually discipline us and will discipline us in life. But if we keep on rebelling and rebelling, he can actually have our life removed. Oh, we'll be with him in heaven. And I'm sure that when we get to heaven, God's going to say to us, stupid, stupid, stupid. You did this thing so long. You see, the sin unto death is not one particular sin. It's sin compounded upon sin and sin compounded upon sin. And it's not in, in, in every one of these cases, it wasn't the same sin that took them out. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was one after another of disobedience till finally God said, this is it. I can't have it any longer. You're setting such a bad example in front of other people. Like I said, the sin unto death in the Old and New Testament was usually done in a place where the people had seen the person doing it and that type of disobedience could spread to them. Basically, if if us had got away with it, then apparently we can get away with it. And apparently God doesn't really mean it as demanding as he says. There's a lot of room in there for slippage. There may be as you're young in the Christian life areas for slippage. And there may be times whenever you can get away with certain things, much like your children do when they're young. But the older they get, the more that you want them to do it the right way. And doing it the right way can save them so many things, car accidents, from people trying to rip them off from bad business deals, all the different things that maybe when they're young, they can get by with it. But when they're older, they can't because life is much more precious the older you get. Ananias and Sapphira, this is a great story in the New Testament. They were in leadership in the church and Barnabas had sold a piece of property and gave the money to the church in Jerusalem to help with the financial needs of the people. And he told the truth. He sold a piece of property, gave all the money into the church. But Ananias and Sapphira, saw how popular it made Barnabas and they were craving popularity. Although they were known in the church and leadership in the church, they were not suddenly like Barnabas just catapulted to the surface where people patted him on the back, thanked him for what he had done. And Ananias wanted that done too in front of other people. So Ananias and Sapphira thought it'd be good to do the same thing, to receive the same adoration. They also owned a piece of property. They sold it, but they kept back part of the money. Now, keep Keeping back part of the money was not a sin, but lying about it was what the sin was. If you sell something, God never asks you every time to give all your money. It says give a portion to seven and also to eight. Give a portion to God. He asks for the tithe. He asks for the offering. But you are to keep some for your own personal life yourself. So they kept back part of the money, but they didn't tell the people or the church leaders. Peter knew it by the Holy Spirit and both claimed they had gave all the money to the Lord and the people of the church. Peter exposed their sin in front of the people at two different times. There was about three hours difference between the two. Ananias came in, then three hours later, Sapphira came in. And so Peter exposed their sin in front of all the people and told them in front of the people that they had lied not to men, but they had lied to God. So Ananias fell dead and three hours later, his wife came into the church, told the same story, and she died too in front of everybody and their bodies were buried. Were they in heaven? Yes but they were in heaven with a loss of rewards. Oh, we'll see them in heaven. They'll probably tell us the other side of the story about what happened when they got to heaven. But we still serve a God that's filled with compassion and grace. That's why he takes us to heaven, even if we committed the sin here that we're talking about, and that is the sin unto death. 
that God can take us into heaven and there he'll deal with us and it'll be dealt with all of us. In fact, things we have done here that we thought we got away with, but they were not a sin so bad that God took our life for it, but we will be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. And our sins that are wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up, but the sins that end up looking to before God as gold, silver, and precious stones, he will reward us for that. So once we get to heaven, the sins we've committed on this earth as Christians that we didn't ask God to forgive us of will be burned up. They will not be held against us in heaven, but what's left over will. I want as much gold, silver, and precious stones as possible, don't you? I want to do things right as far as God is concerned, and that's where even a cup of cold water in His name will receive a prophet's reward, a righteous reward when we get to heaven. God wants us rewarded when we get there, and He has some great things waiting for us when we do get there. But on this issue of the sin unto death, we'll talk about it more tomorrow when we come back, and we'll continue with this, and I know it's going be a great blessing for you. So King Saul will be the one we'll start with tomorrow. And so until then, I will see you. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.